This is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Shell Shock. You are listening to Shellshocked, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. I am not your host, but I am not sneaky. You may know me on the internet as Kuhan. I was the host on the first episode, but now I'm not. I don't know why I was the host in the first place. I know nothing about this stuff. Uh, so, introducing your new host, Joshua Christopher. I don't know if I was supposed to say your last name, but I did anyway. Done! Out! Alright, that's fine. Hey, my name's Josh. Uh, I was unable to make it to the first episode because my work schedule is crap. Anyway, I've been voluntold to host this thing, and today we are going to be going over our opinions of the various TMNT universes. Just kind of a catch-up episode, get to know your cast, and from there we'll be able to go forward and keep it up with the latest news and topics. Anyway, uh, anyone want to go ahead and introduce themselves? Maybe we'll do a roundtable kind of deal. Hi, my name's uh, Jeff Auden. I go by Jeff A.L. on on many uh, Ninja Turtle uh, fandom groups, like the Technical... You may recognize me from the Technicum forums, and uh, I also have my own website, which happens to be hosted by, by my good friend Andrew Andrew Modine here, who I'll let uh, introduce himself next. Yeah, this is Andrew. You may know me from the drum as well. I did the two-issue image finisher, 24 and 25, Odyssey coming up. A big Turtle fan. I generally like the comics, but uh, I see some merit in, in other material as well. That was so classic. <laughs> and now going from that pessimism, my name is Colton Clayton. You may have heard of the internet as Muzard. And I am a much more optimistic person who has not died on the inside yet. Woo! Yet. 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 Important um, give, it 50, give it 50 years and I'll die on the inside. I'm Isaac Fisher. I think I'm the only Canadian here. Uh, I had to dig through a snowbank just to get here. And, uh, the power <laughs> in my... The power in my igloo is kind of, you know, waning right now, so I might I might pop in and out, you know. <laughs> anyway, pe- people should know me on the drone as uh, Canadian Turtle, uh, otherwise known as uh, the one of three producers on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle documentary known as Turtle Power. Oh, cool. That's you? Cool. I don't actually, I don't know if that title's actually going to stay. I don't know. Might not. Just. Aw. I don't know. It's debatable. Sorry. And uh, I'm Sorry. I'm Bing. You would know me on the internet as Plastron Cafe. And uh, that's you're a woman. And I'm a chick. <laughs> or at least the last time I checked. Give me a second. I'll get back to you. Ha <laughs> ha! Surgeries. <laughs> Post-op scarring. Um. Yeah. That that that's about it. That was gross. <laughs> and, and, follow, and follow the implied ginger changing. Let's get back to the host. All right. So, um, obviously, uh, if we're going over opinions and everything, it would be uh, probably best for us to go in sort of a chronological order of when they were published. So, obviously, uh, we could start off with the Mirage comics. Um, anybody uh, want to step forward and begin, or is it just me? Oh, I, I, I mean... There's, what else can we say about them? They are the granddaddy of it all. They are the source material. I can't stress it is the source material, the ground zero of, of everything else, the wellspring from which everything else is sprung, from which everything else is merely a spin-off at the end of the day. And I think 
It's, it's well, wait the a second. Wait turtles. a second. Isn't the isn't isn't you can't say that because then it is a spinoff. Number one is a spinoff. Didn't you ever notice? It's not a spinoff. It is too. It it's is totally the a parody. It's, 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 it's not a parody. It's like it a, has, as, as it in the words of both Kevin and Peter, it has parodic elements, perhaps uh, more so homage. Uh, yeah. But a few elements of uh, of each do not a parody make. Right. And it's rather lazy categorizing to. to okay. Throw okay. That label okay. At it. Okay. But let, let me and just. Mass. Let me just let me just uh, re rephrase then, because what I mean by origin, if you're going to go with the word origin, well, the origin of the canister going down the street actually starts in the Daredevil comic, so isn't that the granddaddy of them all? Well, we, we kind of all know yeah. this. It's not special knowledge <laughs> that you just imparted upon us from the gods above. Yes, it did. I would consider it like saying if you see, uh, you're watching the Toxic Avenger and then you see like a... You see a brand name of like the the sewage company, and well, it's a spinoff of that. No, it's it's it's. it's How the heck did we get into the Toxic Adventure? The, it's a good example. And one like, element I would say else does not encompass everything. It doesn't. I would, I would say that the first one was an homage with like with as Kevin and Peter, and you know, a set of parody elements in the same sense that like let's say. Uh, you know, a universe gets rebooted and it does its own little parodies to the genre or to what came before it, but that doesn't make that new universe a parody, per se. Right. I agree. I was just doing to be devil's advocate. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I'm glad we went the semantical route oh. in that argument. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, um, in, in any case, uh, the, the general opinions of the series, your experiences with it, uh, you know, what drew you to it, what maybe pushed you away from it if you don't like it. Uh, personally, I was, uh, I got into the Mirage comics uh, around the time that the original cartoon was ending. And at that point, I was getting a little older and everything. And it was really nice jumping into that. I, I picked up one of the colored graphic novels that were around back then, right around the time the Turtles discovered the TCRI building and everything and went into space is what it covered. And it was a really neat way to kind of keep turtles in my life but kind of grow past you know the uh you know the the pizza eating slapstick that you know it was the only thing i knew about besides you know the movies or at least the first one for uh you know all those years well i guess no you go ahead real quick it's what i found after i outgrew what was what i initially uh Grew up with with the turtles, what with the action figures and the cartoons and all that stuff, and the video games and the nonstop Final Fight clones, all the yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. Eventually, I found like I think my first issue of the Mirage was twenty one of volume one, and it remains probably to date like my favorite comic book period of all time. That's Wait, which it. remind me which one twenty one was again? Uh, Return to New York Part Three. Ah, okay. See. I started I started with the the comics because I was one of those obnoxious kids who really loved cartoons and cartoon voices so I actually read all of the credits for the original cartoon and it was there that I found out that it was a comic book to begin with and it was oh I don't even remember what season of the cartoon it was I was in like the 8th grade at the time which you know admittedly was when dinosaurs still roamed the earth um so I went out in search of the comic books and I don't remember the numbers because I don't remember numbers my my, it's like the end of like a far side book where like the index is all blank except for T where it's the one about this and the one about that. That's pretty much how my memory works. And, uh, the, the issue where 
they go to ancient Egypt is the first issue of Turtles, I believe, that I ever bought. And I bought it at Newbury Comics. Like, I remember very specifically the day I bought my very first Mirage book when it had, had just uh, had just come out. But uh, it, it still, even though it wasn't the first, my first exposure to them, it, it remains my, my favorite, even with its issues, because, oh, sweet chocolate Zeus does the Mirage book have issues. Um, but it's still it's still my favorite my favorite version. Ah, uh, chocolate Zeus. I'm trying to run around my basement and find that issue. It's right here on the shelf somewhere. You know, for for me, I, I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a younger fan. So when I started, I, I'm pretty sure I watched the cartoon, but I'm so young I physically can't remember watching the cartoon because my sister stopped watching probably when I was three. So my first real memory of an experience was watching the uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles movie. I'll go into that in more detail later. But that eventually led me to try the uh, later cartoon from Four Kids. And eventually just I tried Turtles Forever, and I saw the uh, the scene where we got to see the uh, the Turtles Prime, as they were referred to. I was like, you know what? That kind of looks cool. I like the setting, the black and white, the more serious, dramatic Turtles. Like, you know, I bet this, has, I bet yeah. this is a good comic. So I went and checked that's, out the IDW reprints. That's an interesting point. I mean, you're you're pretty new to the Mirage material, aren't you, Colton? I mean, this is pretty much you're my, looking my, at this for the first time. My first Mirage material was uh, the Ultimate Collection Volume One. That's, oh, a, that's, that's a that's a nice starter, really. You know, that's yeah. kind of where our, like friends of who friends who ask me about that sort of thing. I'm like, hey, you know what? Get this book. You know, it's a really good place to start. And actually, also, it proves that that whole strategy worked. That's a good idea on their part to get yeah. people into the old stuff again. Well, and for me, that's that. It's interesting because I am definitely of the right age to have lived through the comics. But I don't know. Maybe it's because I live in Canada. I definitely didn't find them when I was that age. I found them when I was in college, which kind of, I guess, led me to what I'm doing now in terms of the film because it. In the, the 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 comics definitely directly inspired um, my interest in the franchise and and everything a lot. The, it was a lot bigger than just the toys and the cartoons and the movies. Um, it had a far more interesting uh, origin than I expected it to. So so it is it is sort of strange because I sometimes feel like I'm some some sort of poser because of course I didn't grow up you know you know elbow deep in comic books, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely found them later and definitely love them. So, oh yeah, but I, I think I, my first official comic book was was Turtles. I mean, I would go to my comic book store as you know an eleven, twelve, thirteen year old girl, and they would call me the Turtle Girl because at the time there were no other girls in the comic book stores. And when I started going to conventions, I learned exactly why that was. Um, but I mean, they were they were my first introduction to comics. Were <laughs> disappointment in humanity. Yeah. So. Um, so has everybody had a chance to give their general opinion about that? Okay, yeah. Okay, well, well, now, the thing is, for me, I didn't get into the comic books right away. What happened with me was, it was actually right around the time I first discovered the internet, uh, I started reading fan fiction. Originally, I started reading fan fiction based off of the cartoon. And this was oh, like God. Around, this was like around, you know, this was like around the time I was a senior in high school, um, like, you know, late late 20th century, early 21st century. So then, you know, I started getting more into the comic book-based uh, stores like Andrew, like Andrew's Stories and Donatello and other people I've, I've met on NTML, the old, the old mailing list before TNTL came around. So then, you know, I started getting interested in the uh, Mirage comics. And one day while I was at, while I was at uh, a mall about a, about a 45-minute drive from my house, 
um, I went to a comic book store and I picked up the very first. This was the very the very first Mirage issue I I ever read was the one with Savante Juliet, and that's and so the very first issue I read was about Renette. Excellent and, issue. And you know, and the funny thing is, like Renette kind of became my my favorite character in that universe, and then. But then I started getting into the other con- – I started reading all the other issues. Like, you know, my like my second favorite character became Fugitoy, and then my third favorite became kind of like an amalgam of the uh, Justice Force characters because I'm a big fan of the Justice League. So, like, you know, I, you know it's like I kind of get the in-jokes when I read that issue. So, um, so yeah. like, you know, it's just, it's, it was really interesting when I first started reading them. It's like, you know, I, I haven't read them in a long time, but, like, you know, when I – you know, my memory's starting to job back, and I'm starting to think back to that. And pardon me. And uh, and you know, it's like one of my, you know, it's like, and it's like uh, the thing is, it's like I'm one of those like open-minded people, or like you know, like sometimes, sometimes I'll think oh, this doesn't sound good because originally I was like, you know, people were telling me how like in this universe, the tur- in this conflict, the turtles kill people. I'm like, really? That seems kind of weird. And then then I actually read it, and it was like. Wow, this is kind of intense, but I like it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so, yeah, we don't have much more time on uh, this particular universe, but one question I did want to pose to everyone real quick answer is uh, main series versus tales. What's your favorite? Go. Ooh, like, uh, of course, tales volume one and volume two and all. Uh, just like just the general concept, of. like the the, uh, the sprawling storyline versus the condensed, you know, single issue format. Well, real quick, I, I think there's merit to both. However, I think one of the big weaknesses of, of tales, particularly volume two, was that it, it's so all over the place. I mean, yeah, we get these great stories here and there, but it's it's so scattered. As if you're a new reader or trying to get into it, it's it's kind of polarizing in that way. But I I love some of the stories in there. In fact, quite a a great deal of them, but uh, but I mean, there is something more to be said. I think for the, the the more linear, you know, this is what happens. This is the next chapter. This is the next chapter. This is the next chapter. Well, that that's one of the failings I think that the the original Mirage books have is that they they were working with what was fun. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I consider every book that Mirage put out to be canon, and I know there are a lot of fans out there who don't, um, especially like the Dale Evans McGillicuddy stories. You know, I I can see all of it. Fitting in, you just kind of have to squint or sidestep. Um, but I, I think one of the things where the Mirage books falls is that they didn't have a solid like universe bible to work from, and that, that's not a problem. I mean, I, it was great; these stories were a lot of fun, and it was great to see so many different artists and so many different styles and so many different kinds of stories told. But at the end of the day, when your fans kind of need to fandangle stuff to figure out where things fit, you know, it it, it makes things a little bit problematic. So. I don't know. I'm I'm a big fan of Monster of the Week, so I kind of like Tales for that sort of aspect. Um, that's hilarious yeah. that you say Monster of the Week because that's exactly I'm uh, totally the opposite in the sense that when I watched all nine ep- or all nine seasons of X Files, I literally skipped the Monsters of the Week. I can't stand it. So that said, I love the fact that you can go to Tales in either. Well, especially the second volume, and see all sorts of different artists, and I think it almost—I almost feel like looking back—that that should have been maybe where 
multiple or new new takes on turtles could have been kind of relegated to. Um, whereas, you know, keeping the the main volume, you know, just Mirage. Um, so for that for that reason, I actually lagged, you know, in the middle of Mirage. I sort of stopped reading it for a while until I kind of eventually collected all the individual issues of the last part of the first volume because I couldn't stand it going in too many different directions like that. This kind of bores me because it's like, okay, well, I know that this, this story will be done by the end of this, by the end of this very short book. Whereas the, the continuation is far more interesting to me, but that's just totally personal. Right. All very good point. If I were to introduce somebody to the comics right now, I would be all like, well, you know what? Uh, you should probably read these specific things yeah. first, this big linear sprawling story. And then we had you the general idea read. down. You, you gotta you gotta admit IDW gave that with the uh, ultimate collections. It's all just right. the Eastman Laird stuff. Just right, right, right. Yeah, they, they are awfully pretty. I just picked hey. up uh, two and three. I got them for Christmas and yeah. if I were okay. gonna hand them out to people, if yeah. I were gonna tell people to read stuff, I would give them those and not just because my other trades are like collectors items now and I don't want anything to happen to them. Right. I think there's nothing wrong with uh, going Monster of the Week. I mean, I've watched Power Rangers for a number of years. That show breathes Monster of the Week. But uh, the issue is they should have saved the main book for main ongoing stories and then just kept Tales going and threw all those Volume 1 stories that didn't really fit the continuity in Tales. I think that would have made a lot more sense in the long run. It would have been easier to follow. Just This is the anthology book, and this is the ongoing continuity book. Right. Yeah. Well, they, so. I think it just speaks to the fact that they really weren't quite sure what they had at the time, which, I mean, again, I mean, of all the ideas, who'd have thought that that would have been the one that stuck and kind of ran on, so. All right. So uh, unless someone else got, like, a really quick thing to put in, I think we should probably move on to, unless we're really splitting hairs, the Fred Wolf cartoon. Uh, uh, pardon me. We're supposed to talk about the Playmates action figures. Thank you. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah, very, very good point. No, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's throw that uh, let's throw that in there. Is that are we seriously moving to Fred Wolf? Because you can't move to Fred Wolf if you're going to go linearly without doing toys first. Oh, well, the, the the toys are part of the story. Yeah, uh, you know, like the, in yeah, producing yeah. the toys, there needed to be a cartoon, so to kind of advertise them out there. So it, we can mm-hmm. kind of just throw it together into a thing. Well, technically, technically speaking, I mean, no, I mean, um, that's the thing is that's what we've kind of been able to dig out of uh, some pretty amazing fly-on-the-wall content that we've gathered for the doc that, that really shows the fact that, no, there wasn't even going to be a cartoon at one point. Uh, it was literally, no, here's the toys. Just toy uh, and then uh, and it was a different toy line, let me tell you. I, I don't want to give away too much, but there was a time when your beloved turtles would have been talking to a godlike face stuck in a wall or a job of the hut goo thing that was part of the sewer playset. All of that existed before the cartoon was even developed. A, a, a talking face in the wall? Not even. And, and because and because that's not extremely common information, and because I don't want you to give it away and take away from your own project, I think maybe we should move on to the more commonly yes. known thing. Uh, I, I, I just want to say, turtles, you must go to the shrine of the silver monkey. Yeah, I was totally oh, going legend. I was totally going there too. So, so maybe maybe we should move on to the cartoon because it's it's more the, the more widely known accepted yes. idea, even amongst like listeners and whatnot. Okay, edit that out. Don't don't let me don't let me say that. We'll, we'll, we'll save this for a bonus features like ten years from now. Right. It's too late. So, yeah, we're gonna so, so anyway, that out. Um, <laughs> The Jerks. cartoon, the thing that people, that 99% of people think that came first, that 
most people who really yes. don't follow it seem to think is like the main granddaddy of it all. Uh, the thing that at least myself and probably a few others, uh, you know, got into initially, whether you remember it or not, uh, what, what kind of uh, general experience did you guys have with that? I mean, well, for me, it was it is obviously what got me into the turtles, and then uh, then came the action figures, and then the Archie comics, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but no, but but later on, after I outgrew it, which which did happen in in short order, not too long into things, um, you know, I look back at it after reading all the the source material, the Mirage books, and it's like, oh Jesus Christ, you know, it's like Kevin and Peter. I, I understand where they're coming from, but it's 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 really like they made a deal with the devil. It's like, yeah, you get all this, you know, it becomes a franchise, you know, TMNT, TM, but at the same time, it kind of ceases to become what it was before, and, and that was very much the case. Even the Mirage comics were that a step away for several years while indie creators came in and kind of took over things in piecemeal fashion. Um, and it's it's never quite been the same after those first uh, eleven issues of, of Mirage. And I mean, people say like, well, uh, it, you know, uh, without the Fred Wolf cartoon, there would be no there would be no turtles. The car the comic would have died, and that would, you don't want to even know about it. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, I tend to think like, well, around the t- let's say like turtles continued like in sort of an indie low key Hellboy kind of fashion, you know, throughout the years, and and then come two thousand like with the X Men boom with the movie and stuff and studios buying up comic rights and stuff when they want to do them, you know, as they were in the comics. Maybe there could have been a renaissance there. Maybe they could have been like Turtle Mania, but more in the fashion of the Mirage comics. Oh, you know, it's, you know what's awesome, though, is to support your point, Andrew, is is the fact that, for all intents and purposes, the first movie was being written completely outside of the cartoon. Like, it was literally... Yeah. The, pe- the people who were doing the first movie didn't even know there was a cartoon there. The only reason why they had multicolored bandanas and there was a slight, you know, these these hints Nod. towards the cartoon, nods to the cartoon was yeah. literally... Bunga, let's get some pizza. ...was literally only because of Mark Friedman going, okay, you know, to blanket this this marketing, you know, or to blanket, the, blanket this franchise with commonalities, just inject this here and here. But Steve Barron had locked himself in a room with you know Todd Lang and and they didn't they didn't look at the cartoon at all they didn't even know it existed you know it wasn't even really out yet so they were just writing purely from that comic book so really yeah what about the news reporter thing though uh, there again it was like you know what they 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 literally okay so I'll tell you exactly what they did is they took every issue they had at the time ripped all the pages out put them on the wall and then connected. The scenes. So that's why there are scenes in the movie that look exactly the same as the comics. And then we needed a thread to go with A and B plot. So threads like the news reporter or those those interjections were totally added in by guys like Mark Friedman who said, you know what, okay, well, here's what you have to have in here. They wouldn't even have known why. They're just like, okay, she has to be a reporter. <laughs> so what I mean. So, so go. Uh, speaking of the of the cartoon itself, though, like for example, me, like it was the thing that drew me in, and uh, like you may get, you may have heard before from me uh, on the season seven DVD. You know, it was like I came in to watch some other show, and then uh, this happened to be on, and the intro really caught me. And I really liked it. Um, I don't know. There was a kind of a, a the whole mutants and aliens fighting in the sewer with ninjas and stuff like that. Like it was it was very like kind of a really uh, extreme version of just kids playing in the mud. 
And I thought that was really cool. And like for that first like couple of seasons there, it was really neat. And then after that, when it got syndicated and everything, it started moving into like these different little, you know, mad scientists of the week things and whatnot. I, I was kind of just watching it out of loyalty more than anything else. But, uh, but yeah, what, what kind of experiences did you guys have in regards to the cartoon itself? I think well, we've I all played Ninja Turtles in the playground and stuff. Hmm. I definitely can't deny that. Right. Okay. So, I mean... It, well, I, I was I was a little too old to play Ninja Turtles on the playground when the, the cartoon hit me. My sister's boyfriend at the time had a couple of VCR tapes. Yes, VCR tapes of uh, the original tune, and I had been sick home from school one day in, uh, God, seventh or eighth grade. And I ended up watching it, and from then on, I started watching the cartoon. And uh, while the rest of my female friends were all over New Kids on the Block, I, I was starting to read comics and kind of go from there. So uh, You're the better person among them. You are a Donnie fan. <laughs> huh? You uh, are a Donnie fan. Yeah, no. No, not <laughs> at all. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I love the cartoon. I have a lot of fond memories of the cartoon. I, I have a lot of memories of uh, trying to wrestle um, – programming the VCR because my family owned a bakery and I had to work on Saturday mornings, you know, to, to make sure that I got to see the cartoon. And I don't know, I, I wish there were DVRs at the time because programming our ancient VCR was a pain in the ass. But uh, I, I can say going back uh, that, that they don't hold up. And uh, I'm going to stick with the happy memories I have of the Fred Wolf cartoon because if I try to watch it now, it just, it hurts me. The animation just did not weather the age as well and the stories are just like even on just the nostalgia point I don't I don't find that they don't they they just don't hold up except for on select episodes and I'm not talking just the first season here except for on select episodes I'm kind of the same way even though I was a, I was really little when it came about you know like uh the the episode where Baxter turned into a fly I'm pretty sure that was the first episode I ever saw and mm-hmm. that's uh you know, and that's one that I'll always go back to like I'll pull out the DVD for it and I'm just kind of like you know what I'm in the mood for some like old you know, Ninja Turtles, I'm going to go ahead and put that in, and I'm going to watch that episode. And then it'll go on to whatever after that. I'm just kind of like, really? Did I did I really sit here and watch Irma grow giant? Oh, my God. You know, but... See, see, for me, it's the cufflink caper. Ugh. That was... For some reason, that is like my touchstone episode. It was completely ridiculous, but when I have fond memories, that's the episode I go back to as being one of my favorites. Mm. And I have absolutely no idea why, except for the fact that it is utterly... Utterly ridiculous. That's funny because that's the one that I absolutely hate the most. <laughs> but uh, see, we're when, we're when opposite we talk, in every way. When we talk about like Turtles Forever, I mean, I remember all the the hardcore old tune people getting really pissed off, and I'm like, but but that's Turtles to me. When I think of the Turtle cartoon, I think of Babyface Beaver Cleaver and the argument about the Zamboni machine. Like that's <laughs> that whole series crystallized for me is in that one episode. The funny thing is, is that I actually don't. I my family were weird idealistic hippies, which is why I was homeschooled. Um, and uh, we did we had cable like during the winter, and then we would turn it off during the summer. It was weird. I remember most of the the cartoon as what I remember most of the cartoon is the ending, which was the 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 ending credits because it usually indicated that I had just freaking missed it. And it pissed me off every time. I was like, "No, I just miss it again." And uh, and but there was something about 
the imagery of like that screen grab, which is like from one of the earliest episodes where April and the turtles are cresting over that hill underground and that giant tunnel. There was something kind of adventurous about it. Even just the end credits to me was so exciting to, oh, I really want to catch that next time. Hopefully I don't miss it because, or, or you, you watched it and you go, oh crap, it's over and it's sad. And there's something, something almost like uh, akin to like, you know, uh, Chip and Dale, the Rescue Rangers, or something. There was kind of this adventurous, happy thing that was happening in that that end credit sequence. Anyway, that was me. That's my that's my feeling thing. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that's that's a good segue for me to come in now because actually, um, you were just talking about the, uh, having you know how it bummed you out when you used to miss episodes. I actually got actually first got into the cartoon by catching the tail end of an episode. I was. I was watching an episode of Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney Afternoon one day, and I decided to switch over to a different channel, and it was just at the tail end of the episode, the old switch through, the one where Shredder and Splinter switched bodies, and I just, I, this was, that was like my very first introduction to Ninja Turtles, and it was like, I didn't know what was going on, I just remember this, I just remember, like, one of my first memories of the Turtles is, when I'm saying, we gotta get Master Splinter, and Raphael's like, right! Which one is Splinter? And it just, I just thought, man, this is this looks wacky. And I'm like, I gotta start watching this. And you know, and then years later, it's like I'm still into it. Like you know, I love watching it. And actually, we were talking about the toys earlier. And um, the funny thing is, before I started watching the cartoons, I had a Michelangelo action figure and a Raphael action figure. Um, like a year before I got got in the cartoon, I was playing with them, and I used before I knew. The turtles' personalities. I kind of, I kind of base their personalities off of Scooby Doo and Shaggy. So try to imagine Raphael being a total wit, wuss who, who freaks out or who like gets scared of everything. Just try to imagine that for for a moment. My, like, that's the way I picture Raphael. And Michelangelo the dog. Michelangelo toy. I had, I had a Michelangelo toy before I ever saw the cartoon, and I usually yeah. had him fighting my Panthro toy because they both had the same weapon. Right. Ghost, the real Ghostbusters versus Turtles. It was a constant struggle in my bathtub every, every fucking day. <laughs> I think I at least had one or two turtle toys that would fight my uh, Hulk Hogan and Sting and stuff for my wrestling toys. And, and just, just as a weird factoid, because we've mentioned Disney cartoons twice, well, the uh, Fred Wolf was the guy who set all of that up. He did all of Disney's uh, animation, those first episodes and those first yeah, shows. Yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. So actually, I actually just finished I, a few months ago. I was actually having a Ninja Turtle marathon where I watched the entire original cartoon. It's like, yeah, I have no life. But anyway, um, and then like as I watched them, I noticed certain episodes had really good animation. Other episodes looked like shit. Like <laughs> one episode, one you know, we were just talking earlier about like your you were talking earlier about your least favorite episodes. My least favorite episode is the one with with Ray Filet. Not because of the story, because the animation was so goddamn horrible. That's because some of them were actually animated in Ireland. Really? This, this yeah. was animated in Japan. This was animated in Fred Riff's bathtub when he had some spare time. <laughs> yeah. No, that was the point. Did anybody ever? Did everybody ever watch that? The point. Do you remember that that movie? Oh yeah, no, I, I've seen it. I haven't. God, it's been years since I've seen it. But yeah, yeah. with the Olio and his dog. Uh-huh. But no, his dog was Olio, wasn't it? I don't know. Anyway, that's Fred Wolf's, like, that's him. That's just him in his bathtub. That's that's his first big thing. So, Damn. Uh, so um, has everyone had a chance to go? Yeah. My experiences 
the experience that I can't remember because, like I said, I was a little kid when I watched it. Right. I, right. I, I've seen little vague stuff afterwards, but mostly my experiences in other media portraying them and in the case of Turtles Forever, the idea that they are bumbling idiots who can't do anything right. <laughs> and one of them was voiced by the guy that you use. Not far from the truth, by the way. <laughs> and that is an unpopular yeah, fan opinion, Andrew. I'm full of them. I'm full of them. Yeah, we all have our opinions. We can't... <laughs> We can't diss each other for each other's opinion. I mean, I try to, I try to get, I try to make peace with people on on the forums all the time. And it's like sometimes I just throw the hands in the air and say, "Ah, screw with these people." Well, I mean, we can't. It these is people the just like some some of those people just love. Like I know you guys are listening out there. Some of you just love. Some of you just love the uh, what's the word? Uh, the fight. The, dra- the drama. Some of you just <laughs> love the drama for the sake of it. You know oh. who you are. That's that, that's all right, but. Anyway, um, so we, we've covered uh, we've covered the original comic books uh, up to a point. We've uh, uh, I think we need to go back and kind of touch on the image stuff here in a minute. But uh, and we've covered the uh, the you know widely popular cartoon from the '80s and '90s. Uh, I think that would make it you know pretty good for us to jump into maybe the movies from here, like the original four movies. Uh, so uh, I mean, because it is kind of a combination of the two and how they kind of, you know, are... Uh, anyway, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. And, yeah, that's Clunk. Um, hey, my cat's no, his name Clunk actually too. is Clunk. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. Cue the romance music. Right. <laughs> so, so I, I think uh, it would be a good time to go into the movies, especially, especially, especially that first movie that hit, the one that, you know, mm-hmm. was so widely popular and yet in, in some ways also controversial amongst parents because everything uh, popular for kids ever is controversial amongst parents. Um, but, yeah, that first movie. Children. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think, uh, like, I didn't actually get to see the first movie right away. Like, I did get to see it in theaters, but it was, like, in, like, the dark theater by the time I got to it, so all my other friends had seen it already. Luckily, at that age, I really didn't care so much about spoilers and whatnot, but uh, that that first movie really did a lot to kind of widen my perception of what the Turtles were while I was still, you know, uh, a kid watching mainly the original cartoon. And in that, I mean... Uh, what I mean is, like, when I would go to play Ninja Turtles on the playground or something after that, you know, elements of that first movie, you know, uh, would make it into it. You know, me, you know, whispering damn and hoping no adults heard, you know, when I was playing as Raphael, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, the the more uh, kind of that somewhat grittier approach, at least from, like, my maybe five-year-old perspective, uh, it, it was just a real eye-opener in the same sense that the comics were later on for me after I kind of outgrew the cartoon. Uh, what do you guys... Uh, what, how did you guys end up seeing the first movie the first time? I, I, I've got to say, this movie is responsible for coloring my perception of the turtles. Because like I said, I probably saw the initial cartoon because my sister I knew watched it growing up. But for me, that first movie, that was my first experience. That forever told me that's the be- that's the bare minimum gold standard what turtles needs to be to me. Which is why I ended up being disappointed by the sequel movies, but we'll get to that in a second. Right. Just I I could, I could even tell just uh, growing up, even as a kid, I could tell the difference between those turtles and in the later movies. There was something sillier. There's something lighter. Even as a kid, I could tell you know they're not swearing like they did in the first movie. They're not using their weapons like they did in the first movie. Mm-hmm. There's vanilla ice in the second movie for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, like that. 
people like to dwell on that, like it's the worst thing about it. Oh, no, no, I actually like the song. The song, the song is permeated everywhere. Um, this, is, this is an interesting uh, thing to, to jump on, that when uh, we were talking about cartoons earlier, um, one of you, I can't remember, suggested that they don't stand up. Do you guys, would you guys all say that that first movie stands up if you were to be totally um, objective about it and say, okay, if I, didn't, if I wasn't a kid and grew up with the Turtles, could you watch that movie and say, you know what, this is actually a good movie? Yes. I haven't seen it in years, and I, I keep meaning to, but um, to rewatch it. But I would, I would go out on a limb and say that the first live-action turtle movie still maintains itself and is in my top five superhero comic book translation movies made. In all, I, I think it's probably even better than Christopher Reeves' Superman, which will probably oh, by far. get shaken down a little bit. I think it would. I think it would stand up there for like uh, in like maybe the genre of like independent martial arts movies. It would kind of be like, oh, this is one of the better ones, even though it's about these kooky mutant turtles somehow being ninjas. And but like from like a comic book movie standpoint, maybe uh, from a comic book movie standpoint, maybe something more along the lines of like, you know, I've watched like Thor and Iron Man and, and, and Thor and Iron Man and Captain America and stuff like that. But I was never really into those comics, so I really don't know the discrepancies all that well, and like the differences between those and the comics. And so I would say, oh yeah, this is uh, this is pretty good as a comic book movie, but you know. Go to somebody who actually knows the source material. And don't take my word for it. You know that sort of thing. Well, I don't know. I don't even know if I would say as a comic book movie to, to genre it to say does it stand the test of time. I'm saying like, okay, you know the technology has changed. There's no CG, but the storytelling, the acting, the look, the 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 uh, even the creatures themselves. I I I don't know. I would I would hope that my my assumption is right in saying that I think it does stand up rather well for its age. Oh, I yeah, agree. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, so, something, something like this movie really should be practical effects. I mean, it, with some CG movies, even as good as CG is getting, sometimes you can really tell that it's just something in a backdrop. But with real pra- good practical effects, you can make it believable. It's just like when you add like uh, blood and injuries in the movies. Some of the, some of the old pla- practical effects from the 80s look better than some of the uh, CG injuries and blood effects that you see now. Yeah, it's it's the uncanny valley effect, no no doubt about it. And I mean, yes, uh, could the animatronics running the faces be more smooth by today's technology? Of course. But I mean, you even look at a movie like Where the Wild Things Are, and those monsters look real because for the most part they're puppets. I mean, the faces are CG, but the the physicality of those you know those monsters they're actually <laughs> there, and so they look real. <laughs> Jesus, what the fuck was that? The cat just murdered someone. Tell you were kissing that, that wasn't that wasn't a sound bite. Clunk, no. Um, uh, I'm I'm sorry, Clunk. Don't walk under my feet. <laughs> I was wondering what the hell that was. That was that was, was that, that, that was him under my feet was a good place to go. So, <laughs> sorry, Kitty. Anyway, it's fine. He got injured. Going on. Men, men in suits was the way to go, I think, yeah. and I and I think that's what makes it hold up. I mean, I've I've always I've always enjoyed the first movie. It's like as close as we, we've ever gotten. Perhaps we'll ever get to like a pretty close adaptation of the source material. It, and that's kind of sad to me because some people sit here and say like, oh, it, it is that that is the, it, the definitive turtles on the big screen. And it's like, well, yes and no. I mean, in, in a big way, it kind of is like Danny the movies guest star in the turtles and. You know the halfway house for troubled kids that you know join the Foot Clan, and that's not the comics. But I mean, it's it's good. It works. It works for what it is. I mean, as a kid, 
Yeah, I saw it twice. Oh, dude, just, uh, once in the fourth grade, and it's like one of those things you have to have your parents sign the permission slips, and, oh, we're going to hear the word damn in class today. Oh, my God. And it's, <laughs> it's like, I mean, come on. They they can come. They can go a lot closer to, the, to a definitive take on the, the source material than that and still not even go to, like, like rated R territory. It, it's not. They, they could. They could. Yeah. <sighs> um, but let's see. I... Uh, and as the series went on, uh, with uh, the mo- the second movie and the third movie, and even you know years later with the fourth movie, uh, that was connected but not really, but depends on who you ask. Um, like uh, a- as that series went onward and it got more goofier and lighter and more cartoony, and then you had you know you didn't have uh, Jim Henson's company working on the animatronics and the costumes and all that stuff anymore. And it literally you know. became a cartoon in the fourth one. Oh, those those later costumes. Talk about oh. cheap. I think I've seen better cosplay than those, but you know. <laughs> would you would you guys not say though that that of the three live action movies that. It's it just I'm I'm just gonna throw the question out there before I say why but the um, would you not say that the third movie as a written movie is actually a little bit more of a step back towards the first movie yes. when, when you're looking yeah. at the three of them Absolutely. yeah they tried they very you, much tried if you if you had shoulders to kind of part two. like like the, the some of the cornier jokes that really might not have a place you know like those the certain one-liners and whatnot if you were to kind of take those out of the way yeah you know and just go with the general sweep of what the story is about and whatnot then yeah definitely 100 percent. Now, nowadays it kind of makes you think back to the whole uh the time travel story with renee with the, with the staff and everything right I, I always thought that after getting into the comics that maybe that's kind of where the time travel thing came from scepter and all i mean the way I've the way I've described this to others is like, okay, there's the first movie, and then there's a couple of miles of shit, and then there's like the fourth movie, and then there's like a little, not even quite a mile of shit, and then there's like part three, and then there's like another five miles of shit, and there's movie two at the very end at the back there somewhere. <laughs> and here's the thing, because if there's one thing that I really despise more than just about anything else, which considering what I'm following that sentence up with is going to be interesting, I really hate negative fans like I really hate people just constantly being like negative 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 about things and as much as I had problems I mean there is some good character stuff in all of the live action movies some of it's a little more difficult to get to and some of it's a little few and far between miles of shit um to to steal Andrew's words but there there are some good character moments you look at the third movie and you you finally get to see Michelangelo have an opinion about something which is you know interesting you never you never get to see him do anything other than being comic relief even in the Mirage books Mikey's usually overshadowed by something else. So that was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, there there were there were other bits and bobs and, and whatnot, but I, I just oh, yeah. kind of wanted to Mikey was overshadowed even in the Mirage comics, but you know, he was kind of the regular guy. You yeah. know, and yeah. which which you know, which is why he probably wasn't into you know, which is probably why he wasn't used for so many of the dramatic and angry moments and blah blah blah. You know, he he was hey, he was he, the regular guy. He, he he was us as one of the turtles. Yeah, pretty much. Can, can I can I, uh, can I rewind for like two seconds? I need to sure, ask sorry. you a, a question that's that's uh, that's way back. I need to rewind okay. like three sections ago. Um, <laughs> I gotta throw this out because what what do you what are you guys' opinion if you were to read if you were to go back and read volume one but the I don't know what's it like maybe eight or nine issues before the the, the cartoon comes out are the turtles characters as they are archetype four characters the same or inspired as they are in the com the cartoons. 
So if, for instance, is Donnie the gadget geek, is Mikey the the archetypal archetypical um, you know silly goof in the comics before Absolutely the cartoon not. is written? No, no. The only one who I think translates the best is Leonardo, mm. because I mean you you look at Raph and in the comics Raph is like bipolar. Raph has actual like mental instability. He's right. he's not just cranky and he's not just angry. He's he's broken somehow. Like, he nearly killed one of his brothers. Yeah. He's kind of depressed, really. Yeah, yeah, but he just he just flies off the handle. We see him cry more than any other character in the books. And he's supposed to be the big, tough, knuckle-dragon guy we, we see in every other incarnation except for the, the Fred Wolf cartoon. Well, Mikey yes. barely shows up. Well, he, I, we've seen him cry in the cartoons, too. He cried... Actually, it's funny. In the, fourth, in the original cartoon, he cried when he thought Michelangelo was dead. In the Forkins cartoon, he, he cried when he thought Leonardo was going to die. No, but I mean, in, in terms of just the comic book alone, uh-huh. just the Mirage books, I'm pretty sure he's the only one. I mean, he, he, he's crying when, when Splinter's gone. He cries when they find Splinter in the tank. Like, he's just constant. And I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, and I want to kind of go back and be like, I don't, I don't think that people with bipolar disorder are fundamentally broken. I want to I want to rephrase that into a way that's a lot less offensive. Um, yeah, but but is, the views and experience of Karen are not expressed in this podcast. I know. Let me, <laughs> let me rephrase it by saying Raphael in the original Mirage book is not neurotypical. Well, the, the reason, of course, that I ask is, of course, is all that, the, con- the controversy between who who actually defined the characters as the four the four turtles that we know, and did Mirage get influenced by the, ca- the pizza-eating cowabunga turtles of the, the Fred Wolf cartoon as as the comic went yeah. from, here's where we left off oh, before the toys and cartoon, and then, because of course there is that whole debate, were, were the turtles the characters that they were before the cartoon came out? We can always read Raphael was definitely who he was before the cartoon, because, I mean, that's to, an excellent question. To various I, degrees. I mean, yeah. Donatello, when entering the TCRI building, he definitely had his gadgets and whatnot, and I think that, I don't remember if I'm remembering it correctly, but, you know, with Donatello being Peter Laird's favorite turtle and him being into, like, sci-fi and gadgetry and all that stuff, he was kind of putting that, like, he was kind of writing himself a little bit into that turtle, so, you know, that was the cartoon. Because the key defining moment, of course, is which issue they jump from this is this is just Mirage to here's this other version. I mean, well, like I was saying, with, I don't, I don't like, really think that ever. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a fantastic question, but I don't think that ever really happened, with the exception of of the lull between you know, say number twelve and say number forty eight, where there was all these other creators who were jumping onto the book, like yeah, I'm a, I got my take for the turtles, and in some ways, in some large ways, those were inspired by the cartoons and whatnot. But I can't say that I, if I if I were to read like City at War or Volume Two or I can't say volume three. There were definitely parts of volume three inspired by Fred Wolf, but I mean, just those those parts themselves. I, I don't know that those were. I can't feel that any character was, you know, was was, was, was like, drawn from any Fred Wolf material. Uh, yeah, like like. Uh, the, but it does happen, but just not in those. Yeah, but then, and vice versa, it's almost more interesting. Were the the cartoon turtles characters based on those four turtles in the book? I, I will say one thing. Like for Michelangelo, for the example, uh, probably the, the uh, Raphael was very drastically different than the Fred Wolf cartoon as well. But, but <laughs> oh, Michelangelo, yeah. he's, he he gets this he gets this very stereotypical party surfer dude persona that's, that's kind of carried on throughout the ages. And, and you look at the Mirage material, and it's like, you know, he is the everyman. He's he's the, the most human of the turtles, I like to say. And even there was that issue with with Kevin Eastman and 
Mark Baudet, I think, uh, where mm-hmm. he began his writing career, which wasn't really revisited until Volume 3 and then kind of forgotten about. I, mm-hmm. I do wonder, like, was that forgotten about because kind of the the overshadowing of uh, the larger and more quote-unquote popular Michelangelo personality of the Hey Dude Mikey? Uh, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. Maybe they just forgot about the writing thing. I, 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 I really like that nod with uh, with Michelangelo just uh, sitting down there and creating some original story out of his mind. I thought that was like a, a nice place he could have taken his character. That he could be the creative one, the imaginative one. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's Which it's interesting. Sense. You 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 see the most out of him. You see the most character development out of Michelangelo in that that issue, um, True Stories, where it's all from April's point of view. Like that's the most character development we see out of Mike, and we don't really see that in any other incarnation. So yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't think anybody. I, I'm going to go out and say no. I don't think that that there wasn't that there was like a retrograde reformulation of the Turtles characters in the Mirage book after the Fred Wolf cartoon made it big. Because Leonardo is pretty much the same. I mean, the only difference is they, they turned Donatello's love of tech and ability to make anything out of anything mm. to 12, which they never really do in the original in the original Mirage book. And that's no, probably in fact, based, think, in fact, that Laird he, he fixed, such a... He fixed the water thing. heater and the cartoon goes, no, he's going to build, you know, trans-dimensional portals now. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm... Yeah. You do machines, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, you know, I think I think uh, I, I think, uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, to I know back we movies, jumped back too far, but yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> is there anything else that really needs to be said about those first three movies? Should we jump well, into the fourth movie right away? Okay, yeah, go for it. Okay, so I I remember back you know back when I was a kid, and uh, I remember I just remember the first time I heard there was going to be a turtles movie, like. My first thought was it was going to be an animated movie. You know, it was going to be like a big cinematic version of the cartoon because you know I was one of those kids who didn't know shit about the comics yet. So then, um, so yeah, I, I, I expect to see Krang, Bebop, and Roxanne and all of them. So then I go in to see the movie and like, and it's like I was just one of those people who was just blown away. Like, whoa, this has nothing to do with the cartoon. Like, you know, the turtles swear, Splinter's action. Splinter started off life as a rat, and Hamada Yoshi was this other. Pr- in fact, I remember, I remember the scene where Splinter was talking to Raphael about his temper. He's like, "My master Yoshi's first rule was," and I was like, "So wait a minute, Hamada Yoshi had a master Yoshi?" Because this was before the origin story scene. Like I didn't know. I'm like, right. that was my that was my train of thought. Yeah, that was a really bold move for them. I mean, in hindsight, looking back, you have this multi-million dollar property and you want to make the first foray into films and you go and you use a, you know, little known to anybody independent cartoon and use that origin story. Like that's that's like making Superman unable to fly. Yeah. To, to, to be fair, to be fair, even though the even though the cartoon did have bigger success, the, the comic was quite successful of itself, unexpectedly so. It's it true, took but off like not, crack. but not with the market share that the cartoon had. Yeah, but but at the same time, you're missing you're missing that key defining moment in time, and the reason why isn't isn't something greater than the fact like they didn't go, oh, this comic book is is a better origin story than this cartoon. They didn't know he yeah. wrote the origin story. From this scene, like even the even the shots in the movie look exactly the same as the comic book panels from the origin story in the first comic. You know, he went, "Oh, this is the origin story." There wasn't like a question in Steve's mind to say, "Geez, do you think we should use this other one where it's complicated and you know he's a human and then he's not and that's weird." <laughs> weird and vaguely racist. How about we yes. reincarnate them instead? 
I really, I really got to say, I liked a lot of what they did, but going back and having read the original Mirage stuff for this material, one of the things I'd like them to see was actually keep the original ending where the turtles def- use their teamwork to end up defeating Shredder, not just uh, Splinter comes out of nowhere and throws him off a building. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first time. I, I'll never forget the one time I went to the movies. I only got to see it once in the theater, and uh, I went with my cousin and her parents because my my parents were uh, out on vacation. They were taking a weekend trip for their uh, for their anniversary, and uh, so then they were taking my 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 uncle and cousin Amy uh, took us to see the movie, and my sister and I were t- went with them to see the movie, and. My cousin had already seen it, and she actually gave away the like. I, I, I love spoilers for some dumb reason. I'm like a stickler for spoilers. So she tells me, she tells me like two hours before we go to see the movie. You know, sh- you know, you want to know how the movie the movie ends? Yeah, Shredder dies. I'm like, really? So then, halfway through the big fight scene with the foot, I fall asleep. Like, yeah, you know, I fell asleep <laughs> on my uncle's lap, and then. I woke up just my my cousin woke me up just in time for me to watch this, the part where Shredder gets crushed by the uh, dumpster. Oh wow, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Hmm. So would it would it be uh so would we be moving on to uh, this horrible next mutation we might have had? Or are we going with the Archie Ooh, comics? Like I how, think the, the next mutation might almost be a separate. <laughs> so, so, so we'll go Archie. The next mutation. Well, well, yeah. I was thinking. I was thinking next mutation as its own thing, not as you know, not as part of the movies. Right. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so the Archie comics. Um, yeah. Let's let's hit those up first because those did kind of uh, you know those did happen before the next mutation and whatnot. Um, personally, I didn't ever read lots and lots of the Archie comics or anything. I, I love the Future Sart Chart trilogy. I had that. Um, I had a few others. I had like the very last few issues uh, where they went in a completely different direction instead of doing the Forever War. But it wasn't a big thing to me. So really, you guys are going to have a lot more to say about this than I am. I remember. I remember my first issue was the one with Vid Vicious. And so, so like you know, like that's just kind of funny, Andrew. You're you know, it's funny. That was issue twenty-one. Andrew, your favorite issue of your favorite issue of Mirage is twenty-one, and my favorite yeah. issue of Archie is twenty-one. It's like that's kind of why funny, would, isn't it? Why would that be? Your Blackjack. I'm curious. I don't know. It's just weird to me. It's like it's just kind of a <laughs> funny. Uh, yeah, was, I think I, I can honestly say that the first comic I've ever owned is TMNT Adventures uh, from Archie. I think I, I I think I had been given uh, number six with Leatherhead from by my parents when they came home from somewhere who knows where. Uh, but then I went to elementary school, and I remember it was like one of the happiest days back then. I was like, I saw this this kid named Jamal. I saw him reading like, uh, I think it was TMT Adventures number five or what's the one where they they're wrestling it in in stuff. Oh, that was a b- 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 issue eight. That was the one right after the Leatherhead. That one, I think that was yeah, issue seven. Seven. Okay, seven. Yeah, yeah and and I, I had some lunch money. I was like, hey man, oh, I'll give you my lunch money. You give me that issue. And he's like, I don't know, man. I was like, come on, please. I'll give you my next day's lunch money too. He's like, oh, oh right. I, gotta, I, I, I got you, I got you. And so I, I got that issue, and I go, I was hooked. Like that would be, I go to the comic store every every month for that. I'd be so devastated. Right. Like the months were it was late or something. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I didn't read all the way through. I read it to about mm-hmm. a little bit past uh, where Krang implanted himself on top of Shredder's head. Oh, yeah. And I, I dropped off shortly after that. I have since, like maybe three, four years ago, recollected what I had and collected everything I didn't, brought myself up to speed. Uh, large parts of it are probably pretty brilliant. I mean, even in tone with Mirage, um, it's kind of cool to see that evolution of like things. Literally, it literally starts in Fred Wolf, like actual adaptations of, of Fred Wolf stories, and then it, mm-hmm. between issue five onward, becomes its own thing. Uh, well, it's also being lots, written by Mirage too, right? So by yeah, that point, yeah. so that's pretty, yeah. pretty telltale. <laughs> It's interesting to just watch that series, you know, the the line from Jurassic Park, Life Finds a Way. It's really, really interesting to watch that kind of go from, you know, parroting other stuff and then suddenly going off. Um, I I really liked the Archie books, um, but I I found towards the end they got a little bit, a little little preachy. Um, But at the time, I was all for that level of preachy, so it it was okay. I haven't reread them since, though. Are you talking yeah. about the uh, the whole um, environmental preachy part? Yeah, a little right. bit. Right, <laughs> which I, I never actually, because I said I didn't read that many of them, I didn't realize it was that big of a part of it. I just thought, you know, at the time reading it, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, so the Earth's gone to shit um, uh, in the future. And I didn't realize that was like a an, over, an, an overarching theme of the book. Yeah. The Earth going to shit, it tends to be the overarching theme in every incarnation of, of Turtles. You ever notice that, like, every every incarnation has the world getting flooded and humanity just dying? And Wrath loses an eye. Like, that just seems to be, like, the things that always happen. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing that, that you bring up, the preachiness thing, because I I totally, for whatever reason, again, like the Mirage books, missed the uh, the Archie books, but I did kit, you know pick up a couple of those peripheral storybook children's things that were like you know recycling is great blah blah blah. <laughs> um, but you know the the thing is though, and I in, in talking to different fans and some of them, I would ask this question like, do you think that something as massive a brand as this and was taking these really really potent issues at the time like you know you're talking you know ocean ecology issues and and the acid rain issues and all these these things that were really pushing in the 80s pre you know or in 90s pre um uh, global warming uh do you think that that actually has an effect on the mentality of our generation now, because our generation, I think, is a heck of a lot more forward-thinking when it comes to these type of issues and open to them, because we were fed it like this. We were fed it in a, in, in the, the media that we consumed. I, I, I was fed it through Captain Planet, personally. Well, there you go. Different different <laughs> things will have. Yeah. <laughs> but even even in Mirage, well, that's, the, that's even the Archie, the, the Archie books are like they're more. They're actually like you know it's like you say it's like yeah every every superhero story has this like the world's going to shit but no no in the, the Archie books it was like this animal is going to shit let's yeah. let's let's protect this one and it was like very focused. Mm. Now, I'll, I'll tell you like this like you know I'm I'm like maybe a eight nine ten year old kid and I'm in my I'm in a tent outside I got the flash and I'm reading like uh, TMT Adventures fourteen fifteen whatever it was where the you know, you're hearing about Jaguar talking about the rainforest being burned all these acres. That's never shit I was thinking about before that. And it, but it, I, I read those, and it stuck in my mind. And, you know, the next time I hear a conversation about the rainforest, I, I start rallying off like, well, do you know that such and such many acres are being burned every day? I'm like, where would you hear that? I'm like, oh, it's not important, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was reading Dune of the Comics. You're the Nazi, not me. 
Even 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 the uh, the cartoon used to have those those little PSAs. I mean, yeah, I still yeah. shut oh. the yeah yeah I still shut the water off while I'm brushing my teeth while I'm, I'm like awesome. brushing it because you know Michelangelo <laughs> yelled at somebody to do it or someone Raphael yelled someone to do it. Raphael was was uh, pulling a joke on Michelangelo. That's it's right. Like, oh, that's right. and then and he blows he kind of blows him as in oh you uh, left the cap off the toothpaste. Thanks, dude. Wait a minute. So, yeah, I think it I think it does have an effect, but whether or not, you know, that is an effect with the the outcome they were hoping to achieve kind of remains to be seen. Well, I don't I don't know if they actually had a specific agenda. I think they were just individuals who were saying, "Hey, this is something that we feel strongly about." And, you know, there again, if it inspired one of us to go off and become a, you know, an oceanographer, scientist or something ridiculous. Uh, someone to throw our stuff in the right bin. Great, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's more of a general sense. It's like, yeah, this has, this has changed the, the open-mindedness of our generation, and in, at least in some small part, I think. You know, you know what else, too? Um, like, the stories themselves weren't just preachy. Some of the ads were preachy, too, because, like, you know, the, the, the sto- these stories were published by Archie Comics, and Archie Comics was big in the, the whole anti-drug campaign back in the 80s. So, like, it's, like when you open the book, like, on the inside cover, you see the, these ads with, like, Archie and Jughead and those guys talk about, what you know, not doing drugs and stuff. And it's like... Jughead, that's a good one. Yeah, when, exactly. Yeah, We're not supposed right. to believe that Jughead's not high as a kite. <laughs> well, wait, no, uh, wait. When, do, when do we get to talk about, what is it, Saturday morning to the rescue, where they take the oh, one guy, oh, yeah. oh, the of all people, and put him in an anti-drug ad? Yeah, Michelangelo. Like yeah, yeah. Hey guys, I really love the party and I sound kind of like a stoner, but don't do drugs. Just live in a sewer and eat pizza instead. You'll get just as high. <laughs> yeah, I love eating pizza, man. I just got the munchies. Don't do drugs. Don't do weed. Do methane gas. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, on the, on the matter of, uh, Archie Comics itself, like I said with, with the whole thing, I wasn't in the comics recently, but thanks to IDA, if you're to start getting into those, I've actually read my first, uh, I think, ele- I think I read the first 11 issues of the three Shimane series and the first eight from, uh, the Archie stuff, and, you know, it's not as, it's not as bad as I might have originally thought, you know, just kind of a, at first you think, oh, it's just gonna be the kitty stuff, but it starts off like that, but it starts getting a little more interesting as they introduce original ideas. Yeah, and then you get to the end with Ninjara, and you're just like, um, wait. Hold on, because, you know, you're a kid and you see, you know, Disney movies where animals are in relationships with other animals. You don't really think a whole lot about it. But as an adult, you go back and you're like, so let me get this straight. This is a book aimed at children and there's an anthropomorphic turtle that is just now getting out of bed, you know, with an anthropomorphic uh, fox. And, huh, all right, well, children's literature, moving on and whatnot. Yeah, I generally tried not to think too deeply about that. Yeah. Well, you know, they did try <laughs> the best. Don't go there, like, Don't go balls deep, man. Yeah. They did start to make it more adult-oriented near the end. Like, when you think about, you know that one issue where they killed the Minimals? That's where it was like, you know, all bets are off. This is no... Oh, we're like, getting no, canceled and we're taking all of the characters with us. Oh, you're going to cancel us? Well, your favorite characters are going to die. Yeah, <laughs> I remember... I remember uh, I remember, like, seeing an ad for when that happened or seeing it mentioned or something in, in one of the Archie comics uh, that I just kind of, like, maybe was thumbing through or something. And, you know, I remember, like, really, because I really wasn't, like, following it, like, I was just kind of like, huh, well, that's kind of drastic. Yeah. Oh, wait, wasn't Mondo Gecko there? I liked him. Oh, well. <laughs> I was so bummed yeah, much... out. I was so bummed out. Actually, you know what? You're talking about, like, you know, I wasn't following the comics for a while, too. And, like, I remember I, I decided... 
Like, you, re- you remember those uh, classic digests they came out with around yeah. the mid-90s? Didn't I kinda, I, yeah. I found those. I found those, and that's how I got back into the Archie comics. So I decided so I decided to order a subscription. And uh, the first issue I got was actually the tail end of Terracide. So then I thought, okay, I'll order the first two parts of issues of Terracide. And I, remember, I just remember finding out – I just remember when I f- – first read that part about the Munimals being killed. I'm like, are you shitting me? They killed the Munimals? And it, just, it was the most shocking thing to me. And it was like, I can't believe they did that. It's just uh, it's just the, term, the Transformers movie. That's all it is. It's yeah. just kill everybody. We, we, we got to kill off the old toys so the new toys can come in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know, they, they, they could have either gone that route or maybe they could have just started having Optimus Prime in, like, you know, clown costumes and stuff and doing various derivative <laughs> figures. Yeah. You know, Bumblebee plays basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you read the, uh, the issue, you should just be playing You Got the Touch in the background. You Got the Touch! <laughs> yeah! Actually, um, when you're speaking of the Munimals, um, I love the Munimals. I, I even wrote a fan fiction where... Where uh, I wrote a recent fan fiction where they got reincarnated via via the turnstone. You can read it on my site. Uh, but uh, right. I remember I remember a while back. Um, I remember a while back. Uh, uh, I, I was I was uh, I got all the issues and I read that I read in the I read in the notes that they uh, were going to do a cartoon based on the. In fact, Isaac, I was wondering if uh, if your documentary is going to touch on the Minimals uh, a spin-off anime series that never got made. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of things we we're not going to be able to touch on because it's just so so huge. I mean, we yeah. it's very it's very likely that I think some some little things like that will show up in the peripheral, um, yeah. the peripheral edits and, and the the bonus stuff. So. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, is is there really is there anybody who has, who has something else that they need to say real quick? Because uh, we're gonna like move on to the next thing here in a minute. Yeah, let's move on. Coming out of our shell tour. Oh, yes, no. I was what? there. No. I was there in like the fifth row. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I had the tape. No judge me. I, I had the. I, yeah, the I had the audio cassette. Yeah. And like and, and like a and like a booklet from like Pizza Hut. I, I had. I was not aware though. I had the audio audio cassette from from Pizza Hut, but I had. I saw the photos, but I kind of assumed on the cassette, like booklet photos, that they literally dressed them up for that photo, and that was it. And I was yeah, like, oh, I, had, cool? I had no it's... clue there was a real tour for a year. Yeah, no, yeah, it, but I, it, it it was one of, ironically, it was one of the the defining reasons. This is this is sort of embarrassing, but it's the, the, one of the defining reasons why I even started entertaining the idea uh, of approaching this as a film because I thought it was just so absolutely ridiculous. Oh, that yeah. it was done. That I was like, you know what? I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna go the route of asking the questions, uh, you know, to Peter and Kevin about this specifically. And both of them were like, yeah, we didn't really know anything about it. <laughs> but you know, because <laughs> I always thought it was hilarious because even the VHSs kind of went, you know, the making of tour. They were like as if the turtles were real. Oh my god! Yeah, they're like. Well, all I'm gonna say about that is if you're. Have you ever seen the review of it by uh, Nostalgia Critic and Andrew Vigner? That's why I mentioned it. Yes, uh, it's funny. Uh, it's funny because it's like you, you watch it and you go like, really? Like you actually wanted to give this VHS out there and pretend that these – yeah, yeah, I'll totally be writing music in, in the sewer. And uh, But t- total, total awesomeness about it though is you have to watch that podcast now that we threw up there 
because the the two guys because you know everybody who's seen the tour VHSs if you haven't they they've got different costumes they've got ones that were right. on set, the stage and there was ones that were sort of for the promo stuff yeah. well, those promo costumes that had the animatronic heads went with um, Robert Ben Garant, who became the, uh, a famous Hollywood writer who wrote Night at the Museum, and he was one of the main guys in Radio 911. And then Michael Ian Black, the comedian, uh, also actor, famous actor. Those two guys quit college, put those costumes on. They did and, not. And went across. You haven't watched the damn podcast. I'm offended. Uh, <laughs> they went across. <laughs> they went across the country, one city ahead of the tour. And went to every news station, every, you know, kids' hospital, and were the Turtles for a whole year. Lord. Wow. The most amazing side story ever. So, so you have to watch the podcast. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to watch that now. And everyone listening should, too. That's amazing. That's right. Listen to that. So who did, who, who did Michael Ian Black play? Uh, Michael Ian Black was... Raphael, I think, and then uh, Robert Ben Grant was Michelangelo. Yes, he was. Yeah, because because he he would be more off. Because what they would do is they would swap off. One would wear the head, and the other one would be doing the face with this like airplane remote control thing. And they would be in like hospitals with like sick kids, you know, with leukemia. And they would always send Ben Grant in there because he'd be like, "Yeah, dude, I'm playing Nintendo with this freaking costume on for like an hour and a half. That you know they're dying. Literally, Ian Black passed out in the first <laughs> first uh, hospital tour they did because they. You know, it's pretty brutal. But, wow. Oh, now they're going to think Michael, they're Raphael died. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they had to, Oh like, my God, we're contagious. Oh, God. You could have just said, sorry. You could have just said, sorry, dude. I'm, I'm a little tired. I was just, I was just fighting crime. I hey, haven't had hey, enough pizza. Total legit question. Does anybody have the 1990 Macy's Day Parade recorded on VHS? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask. You know, you should ask. Ask Michelle Ivy. There's a good chance she might. Yeah, she might. But no, that that year, they were both in it, and, and it's a, some good stories there. Anyway, I won't give them all away. Oh, yeah, wow. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, 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 uh, don't oversell it here. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think we could say much more about this particular subject. I just right, thought it was a nice right, tangent. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I do have one thing to... What's that? Hang on, hang on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This better be good. You gotta whip it out. I have to the say, whole seat, but I'm only using the edge. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, see, I went to see that, that show at the, I think it was Great Wood Center for Perform- the Performing Arts, mm-hmm. and I brought a friend of mine who I actually met through the letters section of the uh, Archie, the oh, Archie nice. book, and we went and we watched the uh, the Pizza Hut Turtle thing, yeah, out of uh, their shells. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. It was very are... cool that you went though. I think it's just really cool. Oh, and another to- totally random thing. This is the only place where that sentence, those two sentences, could be together. I just coming out of their shell tour. Totally cool. That's yeah, totally cool. That you went. It's I... totally cool that you went. That's the only time I've ever heard that. So you can, you know, you can now continue. They, their, their life is complete. If you look at some of the the the, 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 in the little pocket of the the cassette tape, there's a picture the the picture of them all holding their guitars and stuff, which were very different than the ones they actually took on the tour. The star one, the one that Michelangelo is holding in the photo, is actually on the wall. That one is on the wall of the 
uh, Hard Rock Cafe in Niagara Falls, Canada. No way. I totally walked in there one day, like ran. I was like doing another shoot for another production, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is that thing! It only has one string." And then, but the plaque beside it says it was the band was called the Cowabunga Dudes. It didn't actually say anything about the turtles, but it was like I'm the only for legal reasons. I'm like the only person in the world who walked through that hard rock and actually knows what that guitar is. Ooh, the Cowabunga Dudes. Yeah, they sound totally tubular. They, 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 sound like, they, they sound like they sound like Ninja Turtles fans. How, how do you um, play that guitar with one string? Very carefully. Practice. Like the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a completely different subject altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, next next mutation, anyone? Yeah, yeah. So um, next mutation. Do we really need to spend ten minutes all agreeing on that? <sighs> I've only I've only seen the two episodes where they crossed over with Power Rangers in space. It was really for me. It was like I, I went and I tried to watch an episode on Netflix. I tried really hard, and I made it about eight minutes in. And the sound effects, I think the overbearing amount of goofy sound effects were the thing that really tore me away. Like normally, if it's something I don't like, I'll just kind of like open up the laptop and stop paying attention. I was just like, nope, got to stop this. I'm going back. I need to watch something else. Do you, know. do you guys find, and this is a com- kind of a tangential question here, do you guys find that the medium itself changes your requirements? Mm-hmm. So, like, if, if that, if the next mutation yeah. were a cartoon and it had all those wacky sound effects, do you think you would have or could have tolerated it more, but because it was a live-action production, it was just completely unbearable? It, that might have part something to do with it as, like, a cheap live-action production. That might have had a little bit to do with it. But still, even if it were a cartoon, I think it would be, like, an overbearing amount. Like, I just remember, like, also from that episode that I watched, tried to watch recently, like, it just, like, the sound mixing was horrible, too. Like, it was just, I'm sitting there watching it, and there's these really loud sound effects, and I can barely hear Raphael grunting about something, um, a, a monkey or something. And uh, I don't know, I just... Even just, if it were a cartoon, you know, like yeah, it was just way, kind of, it was right. way too Saban for me. Like I, I'm sorry to say, I did not and never did like the Power Rangers. I just thought it was just yeah, like the same, the same. I will thing throw my like, seven season box set of Power Rangers at you. you kill yourself. You, yeah, it was just yeah, it was sorry. just unbelievably yeah. I mean, it, it was the same thing, and it was obviously the same dude, but. It, yeah, you know, I agree on on terms of the uh, the sound effects and it, it being a live action. And the only thing, about the only thing cool about it is that they transplanted the set from the second and third movie to Vancouver where they shot it and they used it. Yeah, I thought that was a kind of a neat little touch. Um, yeah. The the uh, but I mean, like Saban, they can do goofy, and I would watch it. I mean, I, I loved Samurai Pizza Cats when it was on at six in the morning. You know, uh, I loved watching that. And it was goofy and stupid. It was a total joke dub, and you know, I liked that. But it just did not work the same with for, the next case. For turtles, I, yeah. I was not the target demographic for that when it came out. I tried Power Rangers and I tried Next Mutation because, I mean, I had to. I I, I felt compelled to watch it, and I I couldn't I couldn't handle Venus. I just I couldn't do it. I I kind of convinced myself that I liked it for the first few episodes. I was like, ah, it's not so bad. And you know, we'd all have like like email lists. There was. TMNTL, there was NTML and stuff. I was like, yeah, this episode was okay. The talking gorilla was okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> We're in denial. I love that that's a sentence. When the smoke settled, it was like, uh, you know, I was looking back at those old Kevin Eastman interviews and stuff like that and other other kind of 
uh, statements about the show that was at the time upcoming about, oh, yeah, it's going to be, you guys have no idea, it's going to be so gritty, these turtles are older than they were in the movies, and they're bitter, and it's more violent, and you guys have no idea how gritty and stuff it's going to be. And you guys have no idea you what get the show and it's like It's like the campiest, you know, most ridiculous thing that's ever seen the screen with Ninja Turtles, and I felt betrayed. I I actually did not mind the actual designs of the turtles themselves. No, the designs are great. The designs are great. Um, the 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 weapons and whatnot. I thought that Mikey's replacement weapon being hmm. Tonfa instead of a grappling hook was pretty cool. Like at least that was an actual martial arts weapon and something that you know was from the same region and all that. If you're a martial arts nerd, but. Um, but yeah, the designs and the weapons and the set and all that. But yeah, the just beyond that, and then there was that whole um, Venus de Milo thing too. You know, uh, well, even I, I didn't even <laughs> mind Venus. A... Venus in Next Mutation to me is is not unlike Vanilla Ice and Turtles too. Everyone will say like this is the worst part of the show. This is the worst part of the movie. Is Vanilla? And it's like, well, it's the most noticeable part here, but I don't think she's the worst part of the yeah. show. I, uh, I, I, totally, I, 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 I honestly never had a problem with the idea of a female turtle. Yeah. I would say the execution might have been a problem, but the idea itself is not without merit to maybe we'll do again one day. I mean, I think um, I would I'm going to fight you to the factor. nail. <laughs> so I think I, like I, I figured I should the, real quick. I figure I should pop in because uh, I I'm here now. Um, I, I, I was actually in the target demographic for the show when I was a kid and I watched it as a kid and as a kid, as a, as a four year old child, I enjoyed the show. Uh, I realized it wasn't any good now. You were four back then? Uh, something like that. Yeah. When, what was that show? Like 90, 98? I was maybe five. <laughs> you, you weren't aborted at the time? You were alive? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. As a, so as a, as a four- or five-year-old child, uh, I, I quite enjoyed the, the Turtles show because my brother my brother was a big Turtles fan uh, when he was a kid, and so so I was like, oh, yeah, Turtles, these are Turtles, yay, go Turtles! But, uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've since gone back, and I haven't watched any Next Mutation episodes, but I did go back and watch the Power Rangers crossover because I'm still a Power Rangers fan. Um, and, and, yes, it was definitely, definitely yeah. not good. It was, it was it was it was laughably it was, bad. It was it was pretty bad. Although, if if I recall, and correct me if I'm wrong, I do I I've watched the whole the whole thing, all the digital negotiation. I did watch the Power Rangers crossover, and uh, I do recall like during that crossover, those two episodes of uh, Power Rangers in space, like the, the the martial arts choreography, the the level of action, and all that. It actually seemed to be greatly improved from what we saw in the actual. Well, yeah, I mean, show. it was it was still it was still Power Rangers choreography. So up. they had they had the actual the actual you know the Power Rangers fight crews as opposed as opposed to the the next mutation fight crews. So maybe yeah. maybe maybe that had something to do with it. I, I, I Saddam was so cheap they wouldn't even use their good fight crews for. for the well, I mean, no, you're going to use your good fight crews for the something, show that's printing printing cash. What do you mean? It was like noticeably stepped up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, oh, sorry, we don't have a part for you in uh, Power Rangers right now, but we do have this other show. Well, that was that was that was Rangers at its peak. Is the thing is like that's when it was it was making the most money. Well, right. kind of. So and that was right about when they were going to end it. So they were they were really trying to push the the show. So I'm sure that's why they had all the good people on on, on Power Rangers and. The rest of them on, oh, yeah, on the other shows, the be- on. VR Troopers and Beetleborgs and <laughs> you got and, the Beetleborgs done. Actually. Yeah, you got the Beetleborgs guys. That's what you got. Um, but yeah, so uh, 
Yeah, it was a very, very good point, though, uh, Venus de Milo. Uh, one thing I did want to pop in uh, with that was in the Image comics, there was a little, like, kind of joke nod to Venus yes. de Milo with a little shape-shifting thing. Yeah, yeah it, it was uh, it yeah. was like my, my friend, like, I actually hadn't seen that issue yet, and uh, my friend uh, handed it to me, and he goes, hey, go to go to this page. Uh, and, you know, I, I flip it open, and I'm like, what, a female turtle? No, they, I don't want them to do that here, too. And it, it, it totally got me. So, like, I was like, no girls allowed in my turtles. Ugh. <laughs> the, 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 the maturity is astounding. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anywho. I mean, the, um, the Venus thing just... brings up a lot of a lot of fundamental questions. I mean, I mean, do you do you guys feel that you know a, a female turtle takes away from the turtles? Do you feel like it's it's detrimental to them? Do you feel like it, it it's a cool addition? I mean, I don't trust the creators to make a good female turtle. Yeah. If the execution is good, it's fine. If it's not, only do something if you have a good story behind it. If you can work it, great. If not, you know, don't try. It depends yeah. on the it depends on the universe. I mean, like if they had yes. introduced a female turtle into the old cartoon, like the first cartoon, like I wouldn't have liked it. But if they did like the Mona Lisa treatment with it, then I would have been like, ah, whatever. Kind of like wasn't one of the artists on uh, one of the uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles comics and for IDW didn't he want to do something like that? Uh, I'm blanking on the name. That I've heard. Are you, are you talking about uh, Ross Campbell and his like yes, little Ross project? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's got a he's got a female Artemis. turtle coming in like, Artemis, his yeah. yeah his his version of Secret of the Ooze, which you know I'm still like eh, female turtle, but at the same time I'm all like oh Ross Campbell yeah. He's, he's, he's hilarious. Doing a, uh, he's doing a page for Odyssey. I'll have it here in a couple of weeks. Sweet. Oh, that, that. <laughs> exciting first reveal on this podcast. Full of news. <laughs> well, I, I don't have too much to say because you just kind of touched on everything I was going to touch on. But um, um, one thing I did like one one thing I did like about that show was the costumes. I loved I loved the getups they have, the the funny, like the cool different. Like they had those different masks. Like Raph, Raphael had like the traditional bandana, but it was all ripped up. And Michelangelo, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello all had those. Uh, they looked like wrestlers wrestling masks, and I thought that was kind of neat. And like, right. like yeah, they all they looked like they were in kind of like wrestling uniform versions of the usual getup. Plus, the one thing that bothered me though was like the washboard abs. I thought that was a little weird. That was a little necessary. I mean, the whole the whole design. I like the design, but it, you know, looking at it and looking at the other turtle designs from the series, it's, it it almost seems over designed. I mean, it looks very Michael Dooney esque. I mean, which is probably because he, if I'm not mistaken, he designed most of these things, didn't he? That would that would certainly explain the uh, Venus's. Plastron boots thing. She would have had those either way, even if it. <laughs> Welcome to comics fan service. Where does the milk come out? I mean, show me where the milk comes out. What's, <laughs> what's going on? Here? There, there, there's a little door that opens up, like I mean, at least like, like, like a Death Star cannon opening up. At least have like four tips that would make some semblance. Yeah, you know, as another thought, as another thought, like the shell opens up and you hear the Death Star doom sound. Here's a, you know, I just came with a really funny uh, thought. Do do the female mutant turtles get pregnant, or they just lay eggs? Well, if they're uh, turtles, then that there would that would be eggs. It would be yeah, eggs. That, and, yeah, then well, this, this way lies fan fiction, which. Yeah, and, and, it, and they're not sterile after the mutation. I mean, there can be a point if, if you're worried about turtle kids. We, we, we can have, we can have and... If you're worried about turtle kids, then that could be a point. They, the female could be sterile. It could just be for you know 
actual right. character purposes, not just uh, right. recreational purposes. I mean, yeah, character. I think I think like that concept in the show. This part of the podcast has gone way too far. Mommy, what's sterile mean? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, let's, uh, so, yeah. yeah, anyway, um, so w- what do you guys think we should move on to from here? Wait, wait, yeah. I, wanted to really, I wanted to say okay. one more thing, though, what's about, that? about Venus. Um, oh. The one thing that really kind of bothered me was they changed the origin story that Venus was with the other turtles when that mutated. I don't think they should have done that. They should have had her be you know, like a separate mutation there, down the line. This does bring up a, a really good point or a really big a big thing this this show did differently than every other incarnation it, it, it really it made it a point to make the turtles not brothers and not a, a, an actual blood family mostly and, just with consideration to venus to make it not weird when you know leonardo's flirting with her and and for the record if i i don't want to misquote things here but i'm almost 99 percent sure that that wasn't supposed to be the case like they were they were supposed to dick with the origin it was supposed she was supposed to be a biological sister and within the first episode whoever miscommunicated that part of the deal uh totally let that slip (laughs) you know the whole thing the female turtle is why not just do it from the perspective of you know there there are other mutants like for example in the i the idw stuff why not make it my her make a female turtle that was created for the purpose of like a villain using them against the turtles you know like kind of a trojan turtle Go the Smurfette route. Smurf, Smurfette, yes, exactly. Hmm. No, but that's too similar to Slash. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Yes. Well, Slash was more of a kill, kill, kill one. This is more of a sneaking in quietly. Slash is a little more violent. Yeah. So you're saying Venus did Danny? <laughs> uh. Right. Anyway, um, that was a bad joke. Uh, My brain is melting from your terrible humor. Right. Right. Anyway, I'm good at that. All right, well, it looks like uh, we're going to have to pick this up in the next episode. We uh, don't want to make this too long of an episode, and we'll get the rest of the universes out of the way, and you'll get to hear all of our cool, great opinions about them. So be on the lookout for the next episode. This has been Shell Shock for Ninja Turtles Podcast. Suggestive content in it. Nice. The best kind of content. Suggestive. Alright. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Suggestive meaning that there's obviously behind the scenes footage on set. That's that's the uh, that's the suggested part. Well, I would hope so. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. Mm. Seems that way. Three, two, one. It's showtime. Really, Colton? Really? You gotta do it every time. Every freaking time! This is why I don't do podcasts with you anymore. I thought that was because you uh, have technological troubles. No, I'm still doing Virgin Space. In three, two, one. At two, nine. I'm not even. You know, I'm done. I'm out. Screw you.